listening to 90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, episode 179. Today, mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with the head football coach of California High School, Danny Calcagno, to talk about his journey as a coach. This is a very interesting episode as Danny actually coaches at Grant's alma mater. Grant and Danny discuss how culture and buy-in is a big part of his program and the vital role it plays in the success of his team. If you want to know more about his journey as a coach and the countless invaluable wisdom he discovered along this path, then this is a must-listen episode. Are you ready to raise your game? 2021 is the year to increase your performance on and off the field. The Athlete's Edge Journal was designed to cultivate self-confidence and mental resilience through the power of sports psychology. Whether you are a professional athlete, a former college athlete, or have aspirations of greatness in the future, this journal is for you. Visit winthementalgame.com and use the promo code GRANTPAR20 to receive a 20% discount at checkout. Act now to take your mental game to the next level. What if you could rapidly accelerate your team's performance and skill acquisition just minutes before practice or game? NeuroTrainer triggers high-performance states with virtual reality brain training that can be deployed in the gym or at home. In just eight minutes, your team will be more focused and ready for whatever you or the game throws at them. Visit NeuroTrainer.com to schedule your demo and get your team locked in. Hey, Coach, how are you? I'm doing great, Grant. Man, this is uh, this is actually it's uh, it's an honor to have you on my show. And there's it's more than just having a, an interview with you because people don't know this that um, you're the head football coach for California High, which is my alma mater. But we ha- we have a very similar path um, that we've taken as coaches and athletes. We both went to Chabot Junior College, went to Sonoma State, played quarterback. And then now you're actually at my school doing great things. And we're going to be talking about culture today and your mindset as an athlete and as a coach. So to me, I'm like a little kid right now because um, just an honor to have you on my show. Well, I appreciate you uh, letting me come on and, and talk a little football. Awesome. Awesome. Well, before we get into culture, because I know that you're spending a lot of time doing that right now at Cal High with your this being your second year and you're doing great things uh, with the program. But let's talk about mental toughness. So when you think about being mentally tough, what does that mean to you? Uh, Well, a couple of things come to my mind. Um, Mental toughness is to me, somebody who is experiencing some experiencing some adversity when they're playing a sport or, you know, getting, getting ready for a sport could be an injury, could be going through a slump, could be anything like that, but just keeps grinding through the adversity and keeps working hard and just kind of overcomes that just somebody who just keeps fighting and grinding. And is, you know, you've coached, you know, many, many teams, many programs, been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to, and I know there's different ways to achieve mental toughness, but throughout your years of coaching championship programs, is there something that sticks out as far as how to coach mental toughness, or maybe some of the things that you've done or your staff has done to, to, to coach mental toughness? Well, um, from a coaching standpoint, you know, obviously you have different types of student athletes that you're working with. Some kids are just more mentally tough. Some are a little bit on the softer end. So as a coach, you have to kind of identify who your guys are because you, you coach everybody different. Um, and then, you know, in football, you have so many guys and then you have so many coaches that you're working with. So you have to really kind of identify who your, who your guys are. Um, but like for us and in my programs, we always try to put as much stress and adversity and making it hard on them in practice um, so that the games are a little bit easier. Um, and, then, you know, and that could be anywhere from, you know, conditioning before practice and just different things that you can do to, yeah. you know, do that kind of stuff to make make guys go through some hard stuff in practice to help them in the game. Well, and I like I like that answer because um, not too long ago I had Mike Blasquez on my show, who is the mm. head, head conditioning coach. Oh yeah, he's um, a good buddy for, of mine too. I, for, awesome. Yeah, for yeah. for Berkeley, and he was like, you know, when it comes to mental toughness, you have to train whatever you're doing, but you have to train your athletes in the environment they're going to compete in. 
So, cause we were talking about, there's some mental toughness programs out there where, you know, you you're in the ocean and you're swimming with a rock against the current and you have to take it from one place to the next. And, mm-hmm. and Mike was like, that's great. That's cool. That, that, that develops mental toughness and grit and all that. Mm-hmm. But how is that, how's that translate to the environment that you're competing? Right. In? Right. So, exactly. so stressing them out, not stressing them out, but you know what I mean? I challenging yeah, yeah. them in practice. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit easier on game day. Yeah. Yeah. And then we, you know, and also as coaches, we, you know, everybody emphasizes so much on winning, which, you know, I'm just as competitive as the next guy. Um, but you know, it's not always about winning. It's about how you go about your practice and how you prepare for the season off season, all that kind of stuff. Um, so we really try to put the kids in situations where they're having to overcome different things. Right. Exactly. Now, when you think about adversity and and overcoming things, because I know that you played at a high level, as an athlete um, in football and baseball, but even with, with coaching, like when you Mm -hmm. look back as an athlete and also as a coach, when did you have, like, when was that instrumental monumental moment where you had to be mentally tough? Well, I think for me as an athlete um, is when I was, I played minor league baseball in the giants and brewers organization. And, you know, I was a a journeyman catcher. I kind of bounced around from place to place. And, um, and I didn't play every single day, but, you know, I, I wanted to, and I want to try to make it to the big leagues and all that kind of stuff. And when I was playing double A in El Paso, I went on a O for 43 hitting slump. Wow. And, you know, you lose a little bit of confidence in yourself, you know, after going O for 15, O for 20, you know, um, but my approach to the game never changed. I kept working hard. I would stay after the games and you know, more BP, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, you know, eventually you get a hit and here and there, there, and, and then you're kind of back on your way. But I, you know, you start questioning, like, why am I doing this? Well, I'm traveling all over the place for what I'm old for 40, you know, what, what are we doing here? Right. Uh, but you just kind of, you, you know, you just kind of grind through it and you fight through it and you have your goals that you're trying to achieve. And, you know, that's what you do. Right. And when you, now that you're coaching and have been coaching, whenever you see, an athlete going through a slump, whatever that looks like and however long mm-hmm. it is, does the moment that when you went, when you went over 40, does it, does it resonate with you when you see a kid that's struggling? Because I can oh, only, I, yeah. I can only imagine like when you were going over 40, there's a lot of negative self-talk, probably the, a lot oh. of, a lot of noise <laughs> that you had to deal with. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can definitely sympathize with athletes that are are going through, you know, different types of slump, you know, like obviously now I'm coaching football, so that's going to look a little different than baseball. Um, but when I see it, one of my players or a player, like, you know, like, like my quarter, I'll take my quarterback this year. He plays baseball. He was going through a similar thing in baseball last spring. And, you know, I would talk with them and try to talk, you know, get them through it as far as like, keep doing what you're doing. You know, you're a good hitter you've been a good hitter your whole life. This is just a little blip in your career right now, but just keep fighting through it. And I just try to kind of encourage them that way. Like don't change your approach to the game, have the confidence and just, you know, keep working. Right. You know, my mentor, uh, Graham Betchart, I remember we were working with an athlete and he was sharing, um, with this athlete, you know, dealing with, with someone that was choking, right. Quote unquote. And I remember that when the kid brought up this, you know, his scenario, uh, it was funny because Graham was like, he's like, that's awesome. And the guy looks at him like, I just told you I'm choking. He's like, yeah, that's awesome that you're choking. Mm-hmm. It's part of it. That's, that, that's how you become great. This moment is where this is like, if you're present to it and present to the process and the journey of it, this is where yep. greatness exists. And I remember the kid was just like, like it took him a while to, to get that. Oh, but it's yeah. part of the hero's journey, like that you have to fail, you have to embrace that. And it's uncomfortable, like it sucks, but it does. Yeah, you can move through it that there, there's there's a uh, there's beauty in the pain. There, there really is. And, you know, kind of to answer your question on the flip side of when I'm coaching, yeah. uh, when I first started coaching, I, I took I started coaching at Sandlander High and the program was not very good. They had gone 0 and 20. There was no school spirit. I mean, it was a bad deal. So those first three or four years when you're building a a program and a culture and putting a staff together and all that, 
I mean, it was like, we went two and eight, three and seven, and you start, you know, you start questioning some of the things you're doing, but, and then you kind of get over that hump and then we go nine and two, 12 and one, 12 and one, 12, you know, and then it starts rolling. You can look back at those lean times. And, and, and I remember talking with my brother who helped me coach. And then a couple other guys um, who's actually coaching at the four-year level now, just saying like, that was our best coaching when we were two and eight and three and seven. Like that's when we were really grinding and coaching our butts off. Yeah. It's great when you have five guys that are division one athletes and you're winning 12 games. Right. But the hardest part was going through that, that two and eight season with, you know, not such great athletes, but you know, going through the grind and it's just exactly what you said, but when you're going through it and then especially when you're younger, you know, when you're 17 or 18 and you're going through it, it's really hard to, to buy into the fact that, Hey, you have to go through this to be great. You're like, right. no way. Yeah, this sucks. Right. Exactly. And then you throw <laughs> on social media and, oh, yeah. you know, so we didn't have to deal with that when we were playing, no. but I you know. know. Yeah. 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 And that, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that um, as far as how that affects culture. Um, but I do want to just dive in a little bit on your mindset before we get into culture as an athlete, when you were competing, like how different was your mindset as an athlete versus a coach or being a coach? Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I haven't thought about it too much. I, you know, ever since I was little, like from what I can remember, like little, like when I started playing sports at eight years old, I've, I hated losing and I just didn't like to lose. I love the competition. Mm. I would fight and claw. And then, you know, I was always an undersized guy and I didn't realize I was undersized until I started getting like senior year in high school and college when they start writing articles about how small you are. But I, you know, I never thought about that. Right. I just would, I would, I like to compete. I like to win. I hate to lose and I'm going to do everything I can to win, you know, within the rules, all that kind of right. stuff. Right. So as a player, I think it's kind of transferred over as a coach where, I mean, I I'm not a great coach. I'm not a very smart guy. I mean, I can get through some things and, and see some things, but I think it's the, the, the competitiveness in me to not want to lose. And I'm going to figure out some ways on, on how to be good and how to beat my opponent. Right. So, yeah. Well, like when you go back to like, when you were at San Leandro, when you first started coaching and you were going through those mm-hmm. tough couple of years, like how, how do you deal with that? I mean, cause again, here you are, you're a coach and an athlete that hates to lose and mm-hmm. you're, you're taking over a program that probably has no culture. So you have to reinvigorate right. that culture. So how do you, how do you, as an individual, as a coach, cause you're leading the program, everyone's following you. Mm-hmm. How do you go, how do you mentally deal with those, those type of years? It, that's a good question. I, you know, I was pretty young when I got the hedge, I was 26 and I had gotten just gotten done playing baseball. So mm. football wasn't even on my mind. I knew that I liked sports and I wanted to, to work with young people. And I'll, you know, I'll be honest, Grant, I am truly blessed. And I, and I believe that God had his hand on my life and he brought people into my life when I first started coaching that was, uh, was crucial. Mm. Um, when I first got the job at San Leandro, I'm by myself. I mean, I have my brother who, who had just gotten done playing at uh, San Jose State. So it was us two trying to figure some things out. I went back to my old high school coach, Tom Linda, who had a lot of success and I thought was a great coach. So he gave me a lot of um, input. In fact, my first day of coaching, it was spring ball. He came out and ran the whole practice. So I was able to kind of see, you know, those couple of days of how a practice is run because I didn't know anything about coaching, anything. And so that was big. And then I had um, a guy shows up to my office up in the PE room. His name was Scott Natty. He played uh, four years at Cal Berkeley. He lived right around the corner and said, Hey, I want to get into coaching. And we hit it off and he was from Texas and had a high, you know, had a a good career in in high school in Texas. And he was a huge part of building culture Mm. in our program. So and then, and then I ended up getting the Zumwalt brothers who played at Cal and Brad Bowers, who's now the coach at, at San Leandro. So I had uh, four Cal guys just show up wow. wanting to coach a program that, you know, was not very good. And then, you know, the four of us, my brother, and then a couple of, you know, other people. I mean, it just started to kind of grow. So I was able to build my staff with quality people to, to begin with and then like really knowledgeable. And it was just, 
And then it just took off from there where we just started building the culture in the weight room and off season. And then kids started wanting to come to San Leandro. Like when we first started San Leandro, just in PE class, they would, we would always end with jumping jacks and they would jump out like skyline or Oakland tech. And I'm like, what is this all about? So that was kind of what I was dealing with at the beginning. And then, you know, after a few years and now we win the league, we beat Bishop O'Dowd at their place. Now there's some school pride and I, and then it just kind of went from there. So, um, yeah, I was, I was really blessed to have quality coaches come into my life and help me with our program. Yeah. You're having a, having a staff, um, around you while you're building culture is huge and the right staff, the ones that are Mm -hmm. bought into your language and your vision. And you brought up coach Linda and we're talking about coach Linda that used to coach at San Ramon high back in the day. Yeah. That's right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Competed against him all through high school. Right. And then went to Chabot and he was our wide receiver coach. Oh, that's right. He did go there for, yeah. Yeah. And it was, um, when you say you had really good coaches, you had really good coaches. Like he, he yeah. impressed me, him and I were like, we just, I gravitate, even though I was a quarterback, I gravitated him real quick Maybe uh-huh. because there's a commonality because of, you know, e-ball, but, mm-hmm. um, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. He was, he was a great coach. Oh, he was, I tell you. And that's another thing, you know, like when I played at San Leandro, they hadn't been very good. They had some old school coaches. And then my junior year, boom, Coach Linda's the head coach. And this is a guy who was way before his time as far as like the passing game. Right. And, you know, he put in this, you know, uh, run and shoot offense. And again, I was in a right place at the right time and had a great coach. So I, it just, yeah, he, he is, he's one of the best coaches that I think is around. Unfortunately, you know, he doesn't coach anymore, but. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's get, you know, let's, we're, we're touching on culture. So let's, let's talk about it. Um, okay. You know, out of the, out of the things for me, at least, um, you know, love talking about mental skills. Cause that's what I do. I love mm-hmm. talking quarterback, but when it comes to culture, it's probably one of the f- most favorite thing that I love to talk about because being, I think maybe because I was a part of culture and I was a part of creating it and leading it that, and I see the the beauty and the specialness that comes out of having great culture. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, when you have culture, it's, it's pretty special. So Mm -hmm. when you think about culture, like what, what does that mean to you? I know it's a broad question, but like, what does culture? Yeah. Culture to me is, you know, cause there's so many different types that you can have. And, you know, as a coach, I think it, you, it's kind of like, you know, like what you, what you are, what your football team is like on the field. You know, are you a pound the rock tough, you know, strong defense? That's one, you know, and as a coach, I think that you can really only emphasize a couple of things to be really good at. You know, I, I've seen, I see some of, um, some programs, baseball, football, whatever, they've got like 25 different points that they're emphasizing in their program. And I just, I don't think that you can do that. I mean, they look great on a board, Right. But you can't realistically emphasize 25 things for your program. Um, so like for me, for our culture, what I try to promote, what I, what kind of like who I am as a person, it's one thing that I learned my first couple of years at Chabot uh, under Pete Davis, um, who, who was a great mentor for me and a tough guy to coach with. And, but I learned so much from him. And one of the things he's, he said to me was, you can't coach the way that I coach. You can't be me or you can't be that person. You have to be yourself and mm. find out who you are and the words that you use and, and what do you want your program to be like? And it has to reflect you as a person. Um, and, and that really hit home for me. And it took me a few years at Chabot to figure that out. Um, and for me, like what I try to build in my culture and what we did at San Leandro is I'm a big relational guy like i'm i i love i mean that's why i coach is the relationship that you have with your players and your staff and even like your administration the custodians everybody that you're involved with in your program to me is relational um mm-hmm. so i i like to have good people around me positive people around me who are going to buy into what i'm trying to do and you know sometimes that doesn't always work out i've had to let coaches go you know, three weeks into hiring them, like, you know, everybody's great in an interview, but then when you're actually out there coaching the guys and then you see them doing things that you specifically told them not to, and they're just not buying in, then 
they got to go. So I want people in my program that are going to be buying into to what we do. And, and I want my players to have good relationships with their coaches. Um, and then also with their own teammates, um, right. you know, coaching at Chabot was, was difficult with that because as you know, Grant, you know, being a JC guy, you get so many players from all over the country really to come in and, and build a culture and to be teammates and one for the team when they're just trying to get out of there, they're using junior college as a stepping stone to get right. to where they want to be. So that, that, that in itself is, is really hard. So what we tried to do at Chabot is as the first, you know, the first day of camp, we get into a room, we break off into different, you know, the O-line is going to be with the D-line and we just kind of rotate them around and get to know one another. Like, you know, like really get to know them. Like how many brothers and sisters do you have? What's your story? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So that way, when you, you're in the season and you're in the grind, you know, your teammate, like, you know, everything about them rather than right. just, Oh, you're from Chicago. And you know, I got to be your teammate. And I'm not saying everybody was, you know, best friends and all that, but it's, it's a lot better to, to know your teammate when you're, when you're in the grind with them. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's imperative that you know the person that you're competing with next to you mm -hmm. to know more than just the athlete about them. The more that you know about their brother, their sister, their story, mm -hmm. which, which, you know, you know, you and I have a commonality of, you know, Donovan Britt, who was my, my running back when I was mm -hmm. at Chabot and he, man, and he was my stretching partner. So for my freshman year and sophomore year, oh, yeah. we yeah. stretched each other. So I got to know him really well, but he took time to get to know me. And there was mm -hmm. times where, you know, when you're going through life at 18 and 19, well, you're learning yep. a lot about everything. Yeah. And I had, I struggled through some of that stuff. And, um, mm -hmm. and he saw more than just the athlete. He saw more than just me being his quarterback. And there was a lot of times where he would, he would pay food for me. He would make sure I get yeah. a ride somewhere, but he always had my back. And yeah. it's because he yeah. took time to get to know who I was. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what we try to cultivate in our program. Um, you know, I, I just, uh, I think it's really important to have good relationships because you spend so much time with each other, you know, just like the coaches, like I'm very particular, particular on who I have hire and who I want in my program because we spend so much time together, watching films, spending time on Sundays, and then our families are together, you know? So it's really important to me who, you know, who, who we have in our program. Right. You talked about buy-in and, and there's so many ways with that process to get someone or get a group of young men to buy in mm -hmm. over the years. I'm sure there's different things that you've done or, or not. Maybe like there's a certain way. This is just how I do it. Um, how mm -hmm. do you get athletes to buy in into your program or buy into your vision? Um, well, I think there, it's a different, it's a couple of different ways. Um, I think they have to trust you first and foremost before they start buying in. So the whole relational part to me is, is important. And I think, and it helps with that. When I first got hired at Cal High, I knew a lot of, not, not a lot, I knew a handful of kids because my son yeah. uh, goes there and I've known these kids since they were eight years old. I coached a lot of them in CYO and things like that. But in the whole program, there was probably about 70 kids that I didn't know. So, I, you know, it was really important for me to, to get to know them. And it was difficult because I got hired in February of 2020. And then we just started like to start lift weights and get to know them that way. And then like two weeks later, boom, COVID hits. Now I, now I can't see them. I can't do anything with them. We try to do the zoom. So that was, you know, that was a hurdle right. to, to get through. Um, but since then, since we were able to start getting together, I, I would try to get to know them on a personal level, you know, in their stretching lines, in our position meetings, I'll ask a kid, you know, what's how, what's going on and what, Tell me about yourself, you know, just to get to know them, kind of like what we talked about earlier. Right. Um, but you got to know, you got to get, you got to, they have to trust you as a, as a person first and then as a coach. And then, you know, when you have all the coaches on the same page preaching the same thing, um, I'll do, as an example, like for us on offense, we run no huddle. So my philosophy, I want to go fast. I want to put pressure on the defense. So how do you get a, a 16 year old kid? who's been huddling his whole life and snapping the ball with four seconds left on the play clock to buy into that. Well, we, we practice it. We harp it. We get on them. We do pace every day. And then they, they grab, and then they see the, the benefit of it. 
the James Logan game, we're, we're going fast. They got 12 guys on the field to give us first down and we were able to score off of that. So you pointed out in film. So then the kids start to see like, oh man, coach kind of knows what he's talking about. And then they start buying into, you know, that's just one example of right. trying to buy in. Um, so, you know, ha having their trust, having the, the coaches on the same page, preaching the same thing, the kids seeing the success of it. I, I believe that's the, the process of, of buying in. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I love it. It's language, the more consistent with language. And like you said earlier, like, you know, there's some programs that have like 20 different sayings or different mm -hmm. you know, principles and core right, values. Right. And it's just like, sound looks cool, but like, right. Kind of hard <laughs> to follow that. And, uh, you know, when you go to like, I don't know if you've seen last chance, you, um, the third, I try season. not to, I, I live it, you know, and I just, right. I watched I like the first season, the first episode and I saw the coast and I said, this guy's a freaking tool. It's tough. I can't watch this. Yeah. So I, I have tough. a hard time watching it and I'm, and, and I'm living it at Chabot. So I don't need to watch it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and it's like, there's, there's one, the third season has all like the coach put in all these awesome sayings on the wall. Like yeah. They're, they're yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and he doesn't live, he doesn't actually exemplify any of it. Uh -huh. And so I have, I have a hard time with that. Like, man, you're going to painting the walls with your, with your vision and your language, but you're not actually following it. So there's right, like a right. disconnect there. Yeah, um, totally. But I think that that language is huge. Um, and a quick old story when I was coaching uh, football at Sarah with Patrick Walsh, uh, -huh. uh the teams that we were playing during every year in preseason were fast. Everything like the tempo was fast. Like they, they mm -hmm. just, so we had to adapt to that mentality. So the language was tempo, but not only was it moving fast during each drill, moving fast, moving fast and controlled, mm -hmm. but it was preaching tempo and class. So when you go from one classroom mm -hmm. to the next, are you walking yep. a little bit faster when you're right. at home and you're folding your clothes in a controlled <laughs> manner, are you doing a yeah. little bit faster? But yeah. it was the, the consistent language of constantly talking about tempo. So everything they did was fast and smooth and controlled. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's great chatter. And and it can carry over to anything. Like when with our strength and conditioning, I like to, you know, instead of just writing the workout on the board, okay, guys, there's your lift, go to do it. I, I have it time. You've got to be done with that set. Next guy's got to move the weight. Like it's like yeah. you said, it's tempo, it's fast, it's it's game like. I'm trying to get that transfer over to what we're doing on the field so that's yeah, good I, well when you think about culture again like you said there's so many different parts of it mm -hmm. what do you think the most important part of building team culture is what's the most important um you mean like why why so there's there's mean? all these different there's different things that make up culture right depending on what your mm -hmm. core values are but to you as a head coach like to have a very thriving culture, what's the most important part of it? Well, I think it's kind of like, you know, who you are as, as a, as a team and as a program mm -hmm. um, is, is, is the number one reason why you have culture. Um, we have, we have, I have three, three points of culture that I like to have in my program. And I touched on the relational part. Mm -hmm. um, and then another big one for us is having fun. Like, and I think there's a misconception out there that you can't, have you can't work hard and have fun at the same time and i totally disagree with that i think like when you're playing a sport it has to be fun like you have to enjoy yeah going out there being with your teammates so we try to we try to make anything that we do and incorporate having fun you know and obviously there's a time where sometimes it's just not going to be fun but right. when they look back at like the off season like yeah. I mean, we, we worked our butt off and we got after it, but we had fun. Um, you know, like an example, we would play basketball as part of our conditioning. We'd get into like in March, we do it during March madness. We'd let the guys pick their teams. We have the brackets up there. So they're having fun, but they're also working on their footwork. They're getting some conditioning, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So when they, you know, I have guys, you know, to this day that come back and say, coach, man, that was the best time when I was at Chabot. We did the March madness. And the brackets were up and we won. And then I give them t-shirts, you know, for the winter. So, you know, and then we do at the end of spring ball, we would do um, an Olympics. So there would be competition with Olympics and mm. we'd have an obstacle course out there. So they're working, they're having fun, they're getting better. I mean, all that kind of stuff. So um, that, that's something that we try to implement as far as part of our culture is relationship, having fun. And then the last one, Grant, is our 
kind of stems from my who I am is competitive. Like I'm very competitive. So obviously you're playing a sport, you're going to be you're in competition. So we have everything that we do drill wise, weight room wise, practice wise, there's a form of competition in, in that. So for example, every, every day in our practice, we end the practice with a competition. So on Tuesday, it's two point play. You get the best out of three offense versus defense. The loser has to do whatever, some kind of up down conditioning. And then on Wednesday, we do an overtime competition. And then on Thursday, we do a two minute drill competition. And, you know, obviously at, at, in junior college, it's a little bit easier because you have an offensive group and a defensive group. Right. Right. So we've had to kind of modify it a little bit at Cal where, all right, coach Milan is my DC. And you know, I say on two point play, you got the first defense. And then on overtime, I get first offense and we kind of do it that way. Right. Uh, so it kind of, it works out. And then we have guys pick a side who they want to choose with, but so that's fun in itself. And then any kind of drills that we're doing, even just, you know, our EDDs, we have a drill, like whoever catches the most balls, you get a Gatorade at the end of practice, you know, something like that. So you're always competing. Cause you know, when you're, you're competing for something, your, your, um, attention to detail, you're going to make that catch. It's amazing. You know, guys will be dropping balls during route versus air. And then all of a sudden, okay, if you drop the next ball, you got a hundred pushups, right. boom, they don't drop a ball. <laughs> so, you know, we try to do something like that. <laughs> How about that incentive? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, it's great. Well, you know, it's, I think when you can foster joy and having fun, uh, cause you know, sports does get tough. Um, yeah. It, in many different ways, it could be tough with teammates, dy- dynamics with coach injuries. I mean, you know, losing record, a lot of things come up. So mm-hmm. having that, that joy, that love, that having fun, um, is huge. And I've seen, uh, a quick little story, uh, had an opportunity to work with Sue Phillips at Mitty high school, which is probably one of the, the best all time, um, a women's basketball coach in the country. Uh-huh. She's just amazing. She, what she does before every single practice is has all the girls sit in the key for 10 minutes and uh-huh. it's their time. And they just, they do whatever, like they, they crack jokes, they, they sing, they, it's just all joy time because she's like, mm-hmm. I need them to get like foster this joy and having love with each other because I'm going to yeah. push the shit out of them in yeah, a second yeah. here, but it's, <laughs> but it's consistent because they're actually starting their competitive nature with joy. Uh huh. So that's, that's was, great. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty neat to see, especially that on a consistent good. basis. Yeah. Yeah. So since I'm, you know, been a part of the grizzly nation for a long time, uh-huh. And as football has gotten, has changed, um, it's got more competitive. Um, the way we play football, what we call football is just more competitive. Um, you have a lot of opponents that are close to you that are very good. Now, Dublin's <laughs> getting up there. You know, you always got San Ramon, you got Montevista, you got Dale South. So you got all these competing teams that are fairly close. And how do you, since it's your second year, and you had a great year this past year, how do you, how do you compete against that as far as, cause now there's kids that are going transferring to other schools, they're living in your area and they're going to De La Salle. <laughs> so how to, how do you, how do you actually attract? And I know it's, you know, it's a fine line when I'm asking this question because we can't recruit. I get it. Right. But when we're talking about culture, I think that's the thing where people get drawn into. Like, I want to go to this school because of the culture. Mm-hmm. So um, how do you, how do you com- compete against all these really good schools around you? And is it important to have a very solid pop Warner system that's going to feed into your culture? Yes. So a couple of things there, um, obviously, you, you know, we can't go out and recruit, but what I, what I, what I try to do is I try not to worry about like what San Ramon is doing or De La Salle or Clayton Valley or all that. Cause those are all good programs and good coaches. So I kind of focus in on, okay, I'm at Cal high. What can, what can I do and what can Cal high do to offer the kids in this surrounding area? Because kids can go basically to any high school they want coming out of eighth grade, as long Mm -hmm. as that school is not impacted. So I can't go physically out there and recruit and tell people about my program, but you know how word of mouth goes or social media goes. Um, and the best thing that I can do is they can see the product of our program 
on Friday nights. And, and I truly believe that with the staff that I have and the, and the, and the kind of kids that we have, like we're, we, we've been competitive in every football game. We might not win every game, but we're going to be very competitive. Um, I think, you know, with, with the kind of kids that we have, we're not the biggest, we're not the strongest or the fastest, but we're competitive. I, I think our offense is like, if I was a quarterback receiver running back, like this is an offense that I would want to play in. It is quarterback driven. Um, it's a college offense. I want to play college. This is, right. this is perfect. And I've got a coach that's coached college. He's coached some guys that have played in the PAC 12 and the NFL. And so that would be like a, a, a that to me, that, that in itself is a good recruiting tool. Um, but then it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier is I believe that all of the kids that graduate from Cal high or they left Chabot or wherever I've coached, they've had fun and they, they like their coaches. Um, I, you know, a, a big pet peeve of mine. I hate to see kids not play a sport because they don't like that coach. And right. I'm not saying that everybody likes coach Cal Cagno, but I think for the most part, they know that I'm, I'm coaching and I'm in it for them. I want them to have fun and have success and have great memories. Like I had playing right. for coach Linda or whatever coach I had, I, you know, that's why I coach is because I want them to have that experience that I have. So when that, and that's word of mouth and when kids and people see like, man, at, at Cal high, they're, they're winning some games, they're getting coached up, they're having fun. You know, they got a new feel, whatever they're getting their kids on to play at the next level. Those are all positive things to, to of building a program um, that, and, you know, getting back to the last one, I think a youth program is crucial for the success of your, your high school program. Um, as you know, in California and especially the Bay area, it's kind of a dying sport. Um, it's just, kids aren't playing as much. It doesn't help when, you know, everybody in the media thinks that you're going to kill yourself or somebody if you have a head concussion and I'm not downplaying concussions, but right. I just, uh, you know, the game is so much safer now oh, and, yeah. you know, and football gets a bad rap because parents who's eight year old or 10 year old that wants to play football, they think that they're going to be having these violent collisions like they do in the NFL. Um, that's just not the case. I, I personally had more head concussions playing pickup football with my brother in the front yard than I ever did playing real football. So I think, you know, having a, having the youth program, we got to sell the, 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 the youth, a good football program. Like, you know, the bears I know have gone up and down and they've had some good years and bad years. The T-Birds have always been pretty successful. Um, so we just have to do a better job at Cal high of reaching out to those pop Warner teams. Right. Exactly. You know, it's, it's interesting, you know, you touch on uh, concussions and CTE and, you know, I, I played the game for about 13 years and have I had concussions? Yeah. And I was quarterback, but you know, I was also you and I went right. T and running the option yeah. doing, <laughs> doing the fun stuff. Um, but I also, I've had two hip replacements on my hip from the game, mm -hmm. but I would, I, everybody asks me all the time, if you could do it all over again, would you still do it a hundred percent? I wouldn't even think uh, about it. Yeah. It's, it's the trade-off that the things, the things that I got from the game of football, the things that I got from the cultures that I was like involved in and had the opportunity to be a part of, it's allowed me to be an incredible leader. Like things mm -hmm. that I've done outside of football is because I played football. So yeah. There, there's always going to be a trade-off in things, you know, there's going to be, you have to weigh things out, but man, yeah, I got hurt. Yes. I, my body did, you know, the game left a, a mark on my body, but man, the things that I got through the process, man, I, I can't even put a value on it. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I understand, you know, I, I, same thing. I was a quarterback. My brother was a linebacker. He's had three knee replacements already. So uh -huh. everybody's, got a different story because of sports, but I guarantee you, you could find somebody that's never played a sport in their life and they're 50 years old and they probably had some knee replacements. Mm -hmm. They're probably, you know, got a hip replacement and they never play it. It's part of getting old, you know? So I haven't had any knee problems until just recently. And I was a catcher for 15 years. So I, you know, I, I, you, your body's going to fall apart at some point, but you just, there's nothing there's nothing better than being on the team with, like you said, with 
with great culture. Like my best friend today is a guy that I met at Chabot College. Right. Like, and those are the kind of relationships that you have in sports. There's just nothing, nothing better. Nothing better. Nothing better. That's why the, the game of any sport is awesome. But like mm-hmm. all the bias, because I, I dedicated my life to football for right. a long time. So now that you've been at Cal High for two years now, and it was kind mm-hmm. of very, very interesting that you started your first year during COVID. Um, mm-hmm worked with many coaches that had the same thing. Their first year was the COVID year and it's just tough <laughs> to deal with that. Yeah. Um, what was, what was your first day like at Cal high as far as the culture? Like what did it look like? And what are some of the things that you thought from being the head coach, things that you needed to do a little bit different to, um, to have a healthy culture? Um, you know, without being negative on Coach Belici, who I think is a phenomenal coach, and I think he did a phenomenal job with that program. I mean, he, all the games that they won, yeah. they had an identity of being strong and running the ball, good defense. I, I can't say enough good things about Coach Belici. Um, but what I felt like for me, what I, what I needed to do and what I had, you know, there were some kids that weren't playing football because of some negative experiences. And like right. I said, you know, you're not going to appease every kid, you know, right. I'm sure that there's kids that, that don't like me and whatever, but I just felt in the, and what I was hearing was like, we just needed a different philosophy. We needed a different approach. Um, and not to say that I'm, you know, really laid back and do whatever you want, but I, I wanted to have, they, they needed to have fun playing football. We needed kids that wanted to play football, come out and have a good positive experience. Um, and that's kind of what I felt needed to happen. And I felt like, you know, obviously the COVID year was a little bit different, but it it was fun. And we were just so thankful to get six games in, in the spring, because it was looking pretty bleak there for a second. Um, so those seniors that graduated, you know, I, 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 you know, after the banquet felt like they had a great experience and, and had a lot of fun this past year, same thing. Now, when you win eight games, yeah, you're going to have more fun and teams and people are going to be more happy than if we were, you know, right. two and eight. Right. Um, but uh, again, we, we treat the kids with respect. Um, we don't, any, nothing is personal when we're, you know, screaming at them. It's all coaching. And we, we tell kids that. So um, it, it was a positive year. And that's kind of what I felt had to, had to change at, at Cal High Football. That's awesome. You know, when you think about language and, um, and if you don't have this type of language, it's totally fine. You don't need to, but I have found in cultures that I've been a part of, um, as an athlete, as a coach, and also being a mental performance coach, I see that there's a lot of language, cool phrases that are repeated throughout the program and people buy in. That's one way of them buying into the language, Mm -hmm. like uh, do simple, better or preparation is your separation or row the boat, grease the grind, you know, (laughs) whatever it is, right. You just hear these different things. Uh Are there any mantras or any kind of sayings that, that, you know, Grant, I, I, I don't, I'm not, um, like I told you at the beginning of this podcast, I'm not the sharpest tool in the tool shed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't have a lot of those sayings. Um, I just, I, I feel like it's more of a, it's kind of like what you talked about earlier with that coach that had those sayings, but didn't apply them in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a much, I'm a more um, just, this is how you do it. And I'm going to show you through my actions and I'm going to let you know when you're not holding up your end of the bargain. So that's, I, I don't have any, I, to answer your question, I don't have any sense. We just, I want to, I want to compete. I want to have fun. And this is how we're going to do it. Exactly. Keep it simple. Yeah. Keep it. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's funny. Um, and it's funny the guys that I played with and I was class of 92 and, you know, coach Carabinus at the time, which, um, it's funny. I went from Pete Carabinus to Pete Davis at Chabot, <laughs> oh, um, yeah. two Pete's, but, and they all, they were beautiful in their own right and how they like mm-hmm. developed me as a quarterback. But one of the coolest things that uh, coach Carabinus did for the culture. And I don't think at the time we, we got it. And mm-hmm. in about a week or so, I want to be 48 years old. And he, be, I, in this summer, we'd have to, after double days, 
we were done, we had this, like this night of hanging out in the gym with food and like movies. And, but we had to, each of us individually had to recite the fight song Oh, and you had to do it. Like you had to learn uh-huh. it. Yeah. So the reason why I bring up my age is because to this day, I can still recite that like this, I can yeah, sing it. So yeah. when I'm around my friends and we're having, having, you know, we're getting to getting together, I'll start singing it and people like roll their eyes, but <laughs> it's because the culture It was because yeah, something yeah. that when I was 16, 17 years old, still to this day, it's part of me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you have pride in your school. Yeah. Like you're, you're proud to be a, a California Grizzly and you can fight, you know, the fight song. One of the coolest things I saw, I took my son, Jake, to the TCU SMU game this year and SMU ended up beating TCU at TCU. But what was really cool after the game, the entire team of TCU and the head coach came over to the student section and sang the fight song after a defeat, like a brutal loss. They still came over and did the fight song, which I thought like, man, that's pretty impressive because I'd want to get my butt back to the locker room. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, and, and again, I don't know if this is a fair question. Um, I'll bring this up just because again, with culture being just one of these things I love to talk about. um, There's a lot of coaches that I've had on my podcast that um, whether if it's football or soccer, whatever sport, when I ask this question, it's, it's really cool. Maybe you don't have the answer right now. Maybe something to think about. But when I asked them, if you had to deem your culture, if you had to name your culture, like what would it be? Because some of the ones that came up, um, like Coach Allenbaugh, De La Salle, he said mm-hmm. the effort culture, mm. right? And um, I think we mm-hmm. all kind of get that, you know, how, the, how they operate over there. Um, Coach Walsh or Sarah. He was like the feel it culture. I want you when you're stepping on my campus or I step on your campus, I want you to feel our culture. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So it's just like, and you don't have to have that, but it'd be interesting when you think about your culture of having fun and competing, like, is is there a Mm -hmm. word or a phrase that comes up that you can like name your culture? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just kind of know how I think it looks, but you know, obviously people might have a different, take on it but it kind of gets back to what you're saying about the 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 basketball coach at maybe i i think my culture is joyful like when i think of our team and our what we do at practice and in the weight room and just when we're all together i feel like our kids are happy and like really enjoy being there so i would i would say joyful that's great i don't i don't know if that's right or wrong or indifferent but that's the feeling that i have when i'm around my team and when I, you know, come on to Cal high campus and think about Cal football. So, you know, and I, I like that because there's, there's some of like, uh, Tiffany Roberts, uh, who actually has a name or a street named after her in San Ramon, who's uh-huh. a head coach for UCF, um, for the women's soccer team there. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember having her on this show talking about culture and she was saying that it was, uh, do your best culture. And they, she had four principles of what you do to mm. do your best every day, like in, in yeah. on the field, in the classroom, um, in the locker room. So she had it all planned out. There was mm-hmm. another um, coach from UC Davis, uh, Tracy Ham, um, mm-hmm. and her, she was like, so it's kind of long, but if I was going to deem my culture, it would be the way you do one thing is how you do everything culture. Mm. Mm-hmm. So if it's joyful culture, I'm all for that. Cause I think if you don't have joy in your culture, you're missing something and you're missing something really important. I think so too. Like we're, we're playing a sport and we're playing a great sport. I just like, you gotta have fun. Like it's gotta be joyful. Yeah. I, I just, it, it has to be some funness to it. And yeah, I, I'm again, I, I could be wrong, Grant. I don't know, but I, I just know that, you know, and there's so many different things that we try to incorporate and do and, what I want our kids to get out of our program when they graduate. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, that's the one that comes to mind. I, you know, like I said, I might have a different answer for you in about three months. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you, when you reflect on your whole coaching career, also your athletic career, what do you, and this is, this is all, this is a deep question here and it's about okay. reflection. And I love this because this is, I believe when we want to gain more wisdom we want to improve and develop. We have to, uh, we have to reflect. Uh, 
So mm-hmm. when you reflect on your whole career as an athlete, as a coach, what do you think you've learned the most about yourself? I would have to say that I'm just as competitive as at 54 than I was when I was 26. Um, would be, you know, one thing that I reflect on, but then, you know, also, uh, what I, what I love is that I learn something new about coaching every year. Mm. Um, that's, that's what I love about coaching. Just when you think that, oh, okay, it's kind of like your golf swing. Oh, I figured out how to hit the ball straight. And then you hit the ball straight a couple of times on the driving range, you go out on the course and now it's crooked again. It's kind of like coaching, you know, like, oh man, we, we can do this and we do that. And this is how we do it. And that's not the right way. There's a better way. So there's just, I love that about coaching and how it evolves to, to different things. So, um, that, that would be something to reflect on. You know, what I, as I'm hearing the kind of the theme of a lot of your, your answers and just your thought process, it does come, it comes down to, to competing, like your spirit as, as a young kid and competing um, and hating losing, but, but you understand that's not all about winning. It's about competing. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I'll leave for the listeners and even for the Grizzlies out there is that you don't, it's not about you have to compete. It's about you get to compete mm-hmm. you, and there's more empowerment when you get to do anything like you get yeah. to be a part of the grizzly nation you get to put that c on like you get right. to you don't have to do anything you mm-hmm. think you have to but you don't no nope. so, but but you get to and so you get to compete when you when you're actually playing for cal high yeah that's it well said right on right on well coach thank you for your time thanks for sharing your story and your mindset and and your values on culture. Um, I enjoyed this and I hope uh, my listeners do and everybody at Cal High. Thank you very much, Grant. It was my pleasure. All right.